welcome again to the third in our series of podcasts where we've been discussing pension scheme surpluses and the things that both trustees and sponsors can do with them. So my name is Karina Brooks and I'm joined by my fellow partner at EY, Emma Kelly, and also Dan and Joe from, from Travis Smith. Uh, so the scene today we're looking at specifically is schemes which are already in surplus, so no more contributions are being paid. But obviously there are some interesting questions around what, what both from a sponsor and a trustee perspective about what can be done with those surpluses. Um, so to kick off, I was going to go first to, to you, Dan, um, and ask just a little bit around what kind of options in that situation do, do sponsors and trustees have? I mean, we've previously spoken about sort of efforts to avoid surplus being built up, and that's clearly from, from a corporate and sometimes from a trustee perspective, the easier way to, to, to deal with surplus issues. I mean, the, the options where a surplus is already in, in existence are obviously much reduced. Um, and, and if we're talking about surplus on, on a buyout basis in the context of, of, of winding up, then clearly um, that the, the, the issue is very much dependent on the rules of a particular pension scheme, and that will vary. I mean, typically, um, there will be, um, uh, well, very massively, but, but very often trustees will first of all have a, an option to, to exercise a discretion to spend some of that surplus, and there'll be a question mark as to whether or not they want to do that and whether or not they feel they should um, sort of benefit the members from a surplus or pay some of that back to the employer if that's what the rules allow. So I think at that point it very much does depend on what the rules say, uh, and, and once a surplus has arisen on a buyout basis, I think very, very, very minimal options to, to change the rules in a way that would affect that surplus. Um, that's the sort of thing that I think trustees could could possibly think about ahead of a surplus being being generated as part of a package of things with an employer to give the incentives um, to fund a pension scheme as the trustees would want it. Once you've got that surplus in the scheme on, on, a, on a buyout basis, um, it's quite difficult, I think, to, to change the rules. Yeah, fair enough. So just to, to pivot slightly then, thinking about if you're in that situation where you've got um, a, a potential surplus. Is there an option and do we see sponsors and trustees maybe looking the option of continuing to run on over time rather than sort of crystallising that option in a buyout email? Can you? Yeah, absolutely. So there are um, schemes out there and, and cor corporates who sponsor those schemes who, um, you know, their sort of starting point is that they would run the scheme on um, rather than transfer to a third party insurer. Um, you know, and, and so it's absolutely, that's a valid sort of course of action because there are costs attached to, you know, ensuring the, in the, ensuring the scheme and the, the risks attached to the scheme. Um, and, and overall, it, it is more costly for a sponsor to, uh, to buy out than uh, potentially to run the scheme on. So um, absolutely, it's, um, you know, something that um, will be the course of action for some. And do we think, I don't know whether to pivot, ask you again, Emma, or to pivot to Dan maybe, do we think the new reg, the DB funding code will impact that in terms of sponsors it's, it's, making it's that decision? Force, it's going to force conversations that potentially haven't happened previously, um, where, where, where corporates and trustees might have had some sort of secondary sort of funding objective or some sort of, you know, not documented but common understanding as to where they were trying to get to that's going to change and, and, and corporates and trustees will need to record their their end point and that will I think force those conversations um, you know are we going to target sort of long-term self-sufficiency we're going to run off and sort of generate surplus and, and and that's a different sort of surplus obviously that's the sort of surplus that maybe there'll be conversations about how that value is is applied as between pension scheme members and corporates potentially yeah. and I think just following on from that I mean the the buyer option having been seen as the gold standard or the the end goal um, for a lot of schemes for for some time 
But getting to that position where you are in surplus and having that conversation between trustees and sponsors and potentially thinking to, to run forward it is a good moment at which to actually reflect on whether that, that is in fact just a really good thing to be doing because obviously, and, and you know, Karina is very much in your world as well on the, on the covenant side, the sponsor covenant may be as good as the insurer covenant or just different. Um, it might be better in some cases if it's a, if it's a very strong sponsor. Um, there may be a possibility for some kind of buy-in, partial buy-in or multiple buy-ins to then sit alongside an investment strategy within the scheme. And so effectively, there's a situation where there isn't a buyout, but there's still insurance protection, protection in there. And again, that just brings in sort of discussions around on an ongoing basis, is that sponsor covenant going to be there if fortunes change, if actually the cure for cancer arrives and, and the whole world looks different. But there's quite a lot of interesting stuff to unpick from this, actually. And potentially some, some interesting um, discussions or potential for different views as between trustees and corporates, yeah. where the trustees might be happy to sit there with that sort of double covenant type, yeah. insurer covenant, corporate covenant, FSCS, pen, pension protection fund. You know, why wouldn't you want the best of all of those worlds if you're a trustee, whereas the corporate might be might be very much looking forward to getting those some of those risks soft off the balance sheet. And so just then to, obviously we've talked about then the running off, but what about if you're in a situation, I suppose the, the, the way you're looking at this, I suppose what's been seen as the traditional yep. um, outcome where you're actually running towards a, a, a buyout and perhaps that has come much closer towards you in this in this current time you know in this current economic environment what what priority what priorities should you have and what things might uh, still be there as stumbling blocks even if on the face of it you've got a surplus today Ema, do you want to pick up first absolutely so I mean there's you know I guess there are many schemes who are now finding themselves in positions where they're much closer to buyers than they might have thought they were say six to twelve months ago um, and you know there are a whole host of things that need to be thought through for those that are thinking about an approach to market at this time. So you know you, you've got to make sure the the data sort of stacks up and is sort of appropriately cleansed and looked at. Um, you know there's things like um, you know what are you going to do with your liquids if you're holding a lot of liquids? Um, how how um, have you done things like GMP equalisation and sort of all that good housekeeping and governance that needs to be worked through? Well, the interesting feature of the whole, the, you know, the LDI, I keep putting it the LDI issue, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a better way of describing it, but is, is the way in which scheme situations moved quite quickly. Um, and, and as you say, there were lots of schemes that are sort of economically fully funded on a buyout basis, but are nowhere near being able to go and approach the market um, to, to, to actually enter, enter into sort of the insurance, um, insurance contract. Uh, and, and there's an interesting, I think, sort of period potentially ahead where, where, where sort of financial economic capital isn't the restriction on, on schemes getting into buyout, but actually human capital, just, just the, uh, the time it takes to get schemes into that position uh, and, and the, the sort of the, the queue that these schemes are forming with their respective advisors and administrators to, to do some of those jobs that you describe ahead of getting into the insurance market. And there's a real issue of capacity as well around some of those things, aren't there? So I think there is something, from my perspective as well, around how, how you protect your position yeah. over that time horizon, which, as you say, you might yeah. have a funding surplus, it might appear to have a funding surplus on day one, but that needs to be protected as best it can because it might take time. And, and where, where are you in the queue to get GMPE done with your yeah. administrator, etc., yeah. etc.? Et yeah. And I think that capacity constraint you refer to, Dan, is... Um, potentially at both ends, both the insurer end, yeah. um, because they're stopping yeah. up from resource, I think, and then also at the advisor end, yeah. um, because there's so many more schemes that are now in a position where they can transact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
the whole, the whole optimization of the scheme in terms of yeah. being transactable is definitely something that, that you know, we have a lot of discussions around. Um, certainly, as we said, uh, in, in relation to human capital, in relation to the assets side, you know, I think if you have your assets in a good shape, they can either be transferred across to your insurer or potentially you can work out some other arrangement for them. You are just going to naturally find yourself further up the queue than if you've got a, a really, really difficult asset mix, which potentially is full of, as Eva said, illiquids and various other sort of more, more, more challenging assets for a, for a transaction. So again, that, that whole process of optimization is, is definitely something that just keeps coming up. And a recurring theme again is the way in which the schemes situations have changed rapidly during sort of the, the LDI. The LDI issue that lots of schemes that weren't thinking that their liquids were going to be a barrier to, to, to the time frame for, for, for end game actually are finding themselves in that situation. So that there will be a need for potentially for insurers to be a bit more flexible or how, how they, they view some of those assets and, and look, look, to, um, look to accommodate ways of working and, and taking some of those assets into species. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Join us again for the final instalment of our series of podcasts. And the next time we'll be talking about a slightly more complex situation, maybe where sponsors have schemes that are both in deficit and in surplus.